Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments related to the cold or not related to the cold, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Not related to the cold, related to the cold and how it impacts your plants. And Mr. Kelly, how is the cold doing to your plants? Oh, your- they're shivering. Are they? Poor things out there. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty sad right Does now. It? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we, we have some things that are kind of painted in bright colors out there, like a fence here or there, oh. a little, you know, just different things that we've painted. And that kind of helps. It gives it a little color, you know, a little right. bright yellow here or there. It looks really good with all the drab around it. <laughs> so, you know, you got to keep looking at the bright side. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing like optimism. You have to, (laughs) especially at this time of year. Exactly. It really looks pretty drab. Yeah. Yes. Dark. Well, great. Well, thanks, Brian. You bet. It is Saturday morning, folks, and we get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, are you going to be doing anything different this year? And, uh, uh oh, you look over at those houseplants. plants. That one's a little bit too close to the window, maybe? No, probably not. It Maybe you just you've overwatered it. So you want to improve your soil? Can you do it this time of year? Well, the ground might be frozen, so don't get out there and start digging around while the ground is frozen. That's a bad thing to do. I take a look, and diseases and bugs and things like that, a little tough to tell right now, but things like scale can be showing up on pine needles and various places like that. And what you do is use the information and to make the decisions. My thoughts will help you or hopefully orchestrate and solidify your options. Of course, with the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Abby. She's producing today, so when you call, she will answer the phone. She just needs your first name, and that's about all. And then she'll put it into the computer, and then I will take people First come, first serve, will, uh, as far as the calling goes. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, during the week and, and weekends, basically I do it more on the weekends this time of year, uh, I do a walk and talk, which is a landscape evaluation. And I've got a couple already scheduled. And uh, a couple, one, one person said, uh, 
we want to have a walk and talk, but we want we don't like to be outside when it's below 40. I thought, hmm, well, I guess we're going to have to wait for a couple months <laughs> before we can uh, schedule one for you. But anyway, and uh, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Historically, one of the earliest memories of my childhood before my family moved from the city on Flad out to Ellisville was Tower Grove Park and the lake, the Grand Basin. And so I thought, oh, today I want to hear some music of the cascading water. So that's where I headed for my good gardening stroll. And it was. The cascading water really sounded nice. And it really created a kind of a neat iceberg around the, around the fountain. And that's at the center of the basin. And the neat thing, too, about uh, Tower Grove Park is they have the old-time streetlights. I really like those a lot. And the limestone that's been cut and stacked around the Grand Basin Pond or lake or whatever, it resembles ancient ruins. The bald cypress and other deciduous trees stood naked against the early morning sky. I tell you, like around 6.30 or so, the eastern sky starts really lightening up, and then it starts streaks of color, and those colors are really just absolutely fantastic. So it made the trees really stand out nicely. And there were some broadleaf magnolias who they were shivering as I looked at the thermometer or t- I guess thermostat thermometer. Hmm, I guess thermometer uh, in my car. It said it was 15. When I first got up, it was said it was nine. And I looked over too at uh, Henry Shaw's greenhouse that was built by him way back when. And uh, that was to provide him a place where he could grow some edible greens. It is now the palm house. Seating, yes, there's a lot of seating around this area, but I'll tell you, sitting down on a bench that's concrete, ooh, wow, it's a little cool. Peace and tranquility all over, nice pagodas and everything else, just a great park. Tower Grove Park, that's where I took my good gardening stroll today. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, comments, or concerns. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. Remember, by mid-month, if you want to be a little wild and crazy, uh, you could start some seeds of annual flowers like ageratum, petunias, geraniums, impatiens, salvias, and others. And starting them indoors, uh, to be honest with you, I don't really like to grow annuals from seed. I prefer to let the greenhouses do it, but I know that you can do it if you've got bottom heat, if you've got grow lights and things like that. But when I've done it, I've had success with it sometimes, but not all that often. I've had a little bit more disappointment than success. And that's why maybe I shouldn't be saying the truth and the reality of I can't do everything by any means. So this is just a, you know, a circumstance. It's strictly up to you. Another thing you need to be doing this time of year is make sure, and I did it last time that I was out, you know, down in, downstairs and had some extra, little extra time. I watered my plants that I have down there under, that are growing under grow lights. But also I f- took a look at how my summer bulbs, my elephant ears, my cannas and things like that, how they're doing. So uh, everything looks really good. There's no signs of decay or anything else. Another thing that you could be doing this time of year is 
doing finishing up your pruning on all your woody ornamentals. So, but maybe you don't want to be pruning the ones that are going to be flowering in the springtime because if you prune them, the, what you've cut off, you're eliminating maybe potentially some flowers that you're going to really enjoy. So just really kind of understand, maybe time your pruning exactly to a, you know, to a situation according to what you really like. So yes, forsythias, spireas, and things like that, that, early spring bloomers, you can go ahead and prune them. And I mean, also what you've cut off, you can bring inside and put in a vase of water and then consequently they'll be blooming inside in about three or four weeks, depending upon where you have them sit and everything else. So there's advantages and disadvantages of pruning spring flowering things like bringing them inside is the advantage disadvantage is just pruning it yes and then maybe just dis, you know dis, you know kind of putting in the yard waste the 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 cuttings that you did there's nothing wrong with that soon it's going to be valentines so just remember if you buy bouquets of flowers for somebody you want to it's going to be a couple weeks but you're probably going to maybe buy them a few days early Recut the stems, and when you're doing the recutting on those the bouquets of flowers, roses, whatever you happen to choose, do it underneath water. So, and you want to make the cut at a 45 degree angle, and that's going to make it so the flowers will add, you know, will last longer. But also use the flower preservative that you know they always have those little packets. Mix it up in the water first before you put the in the vase that you're going to put the flowers, and then do it that way. Another thing, if you want to be a little wild and crazy, is uh, maybe doing something called air layering. And that's uh, on some tropical houseplants like Diffenbachias, rubber trees, and things like that, where you cut a little wedge out of it, and then you take some rooting hormone and sprinkle it on that open cut, and then wrap that. And sooner or later, it's going to start producing some root systems there, and then you're going to be able to take that off and have a brand new plant. Uh, that's one way to do it. I, you know, personally, I don't bother with that, and I, I'm kind of contrary talking to some of the things that you hear and you read a lot of. I just take a cutting of a lot of different things, and I generally just root it in potting soil. No, not potting soil. I don't like potting soil. Potting mix, and then just leave it sit and just what you know. Slowly but surely, they'll acclimate, especially things like begonias. I have several different varieties of begonias, and I take cuttings of those, and what I do with that is I take the begonias, and I don't put them in potting mix. I actually root them in water. So there's lots of different ways to go about doing various things. So your houseplants that are starting to show any kind of new growth or especially like if you have some orchids that are starting to flower, start fertilizing. But any house plant that's showing any kind of new growth, as soon as that new growth starts showing up, do some fertilizing. And the best thing that I have found over the years is to not fertilize at total label rate. I do it at half label rate, but I do it twice as often. So if they say blah, 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 one tablespoon per gallon of water, you know, once a month or something along that line, I do half that amount, but I do it twice as often. So that's something else that you need to be doing. Also, this is a time of year when you should get your soil test done. The soil test is going to be really important because 
By the time you get the the results of your soil test back, it's going to make it so you can head to the garden center. You can take the soil test with you, and then you can the people at the garden center can say, well, out of the fertilizers we have, the ones that you probably want to use for lawn, for your perennial gardens, for your ground covers, or wherever your soil test has been taken, you're going to want to use this one versus this one because a lot of times people have found if they use the same fertilizer – over and over and over again, the last two numbers on a bag of fertilizer are phosphorus and potassium. Those two particular nutrients stay in the soil for an extremely long period of time. So consequently, when they stay in the soil, it can build up to extreme levels, where nitrogen, which is the first number, after just a few days, it becomes a gas and then heads up into the, you know, into the sky, more or less. And uh, so, but the phosphorus and potassium are really good, you know, for the plant material. But once they get to extreme levels in your soil, then that's when they become to the disadvantage of the plant material. And that's, I mean, that plays a role whether you're trying to grow a lawn, whether you're trying to grow sh- shrubbery, whether you're trying to grow perennials or ground cover or anything else. So getting the soil test done really can make a big difference. Also, the soil test will indicate the soil chemistry of your particular soil. So in other words, your soil, let's say your soil pH. And pH just means how alkaline or how acidic it is. So salty versus vinegar. So if people for years and years and years always said, you should always be putting lime down on your lawn. And that's not right. Because if you put lime down and your soil pH is already, you know, neutral or slightly above, you're going to make it to the disadvantage of your lawn because lawns like an acidic soil. They like the soil pH is about 6.5 and 7 is neutral. Anything above 7 starts towards alkalinity. Certain plants definitely can have the alkalinity. They like the alkaline soils, but lawn is not one of them. One of them that does like it is a lilac. Clematis vines, they both like an alkaline soil. So you can, you know, put some lime in those particular areas if you choose, but just to broadcast it generally over large areas is not going to be to the advantage of your plant material. And uh, other things that you could be fooling around with right now is going to your favorite garden center because it's as February turns, you know, comes around, they're going to start having all things, you know, kind of wild things like seed potatoes. And you go, I don't want to grow any potatoes. But sometimes early in the season, it's kind of fun to get them planted in pots before you can get your other annuals or before the other things, you know, come up and just watch the, you know, the foliage come up. And I mean, it's just kind of nice because as Brian and I were talking about this time of year, things get a little drab. And so if you can have some greenery as a result of that, also, they may have some onions. You could just grow onions. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Personally, eating-wise, I don't like onions, but I like how they look. And there's a lot of ornamental onions, and even the ones that are not necessarily ornamental can look good when there's, you know, everything is just so, oh. So that's really one of the advantages. And uh, as we're, you know, as the weather starts warming up just a little bit, you can start planting, you know, some like spinach and lettuce and things like that outdoors. It might be a little bit cool or cold, but you can give it a try and just see what happens because you're buying packets. And that's one of the things the garden centers are going to have. They're going to have lots of different kinds of seed packets. So you can just, you know, fool around with things. That's the nice thing that you can do. And, you know, for $1.59 or whatever a seed packet is, just to have some seeds germinating. And you can even do that without doing it outside. You could do it inside just in a pot in a window. And, again, just to get some greenery, get some color and things along that line is really something you need to be doing. And also take a look. This is a good time of year to take a look at your equipment because your equipment, especially your pruning equipment or your mower blades or things like that, if they're not really you know in good shape, you could actually be doing some damage to the plant material that you're pruning versus doing it to something that's going to help the plant material. If it shatters a tip when you've cut, then that opens up an opportunity for, let's say, rain or snow or ice or whatever to get into those, you know, split parts. And then consequently, that could, you know, introduce potentially a disease situation. So having good pruning equipment or having the pruning equipment that you, you, you're using and pruning meaning even a mower, the mower blade sharpen and along that line, that's really going to make a big difference. And start really looking at everything closely. And uh, if you if you know and you remember that there was a couple branches or there was something wrong in this particular area on this particular shrub or tree, go ahead and get that cut off. There's nothing wrong with that. And after to minimize the amount of, let's say, potential disease problems, there's nothing wrong with using, let's say, a bleach combination with water to to wipe onto the cut. That way you're really kind of eliminating any potential disease situation getting into that you know circumstance. And if you do, you know, oil your pruners so they're easier and better to cut, then what you can do is just watch out with the type of oil you use because it could do some damage to the plant material. So just be really conscious of that. Stay, you know, stay on top of all those type of things. So, and uh, what other things that you could be thinking about doing is uh, just, you know, walking around and like I did Tower Grove Park, 
and just took a you know took a take a look at some of the trees because this time of year when I mean there's not a whole lot of greenery you can like, have some problems as a result and so as a result of that uh, some aesthetic problems so the trees that you know appeal to you. You go and you you don't know exactly what kind of tree it is. It doesn't really have a label on it. But, uh, you know, take a look at the bark or take your phone or take a camera and take a picture of it. And then consequently, you can take that to the garden center and they can let you know what kind of tree it is. And you can, you're can you going to be able to grow it. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Folks, to the phones we go, and if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Rich's yard. Rich, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, Is it all right to cut back iris this time of year? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all because you want to do it before the new foliage begins. And, you know, this time of year, they don't really, I don't know if you're talking about standard flag type iris or if they're Japanese iris or, you know, what what type of iris that you're speaking of. But anything. The standard iris. Okay. Yeah, you can definitely cut it back. Cut it down to about three inches or so. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. And just, you know, with the iris, just in general, they're pretty tough. But, that, you know, that tuber, you probably have good success with them because you have the foliage and you want to cut it back. But realize that iris, as they age, they can get to a, a situation where they finally get old enough that they're not really going to flower well. So just, uh, you know, keep that in mind and uh, just add new, you know, iris to your bed every few, every year or every two years. And that way you can prevent any kind of, let's say, blank area where it's just foliage because we do grow the iris for the flower. So thanks, Rich. Thank you. Yeah, and, uh, oops, we had a call. It looks like they dropped. But anyway, other things that you need to be thinking about in your own yard besides iris, but anything, you know, with the ornamental grasses, if you've got ornamental grasses you haven't gotten taken care of as far as cutting them back, and it's just, I mean, put a bungee cord around them, and depending upon the type that you have, then you can cut, if it's like a, a maiden grass, then you want to cut it down to about 6 to 9 to 12 inches. And then realize that the, the new growth is going to be on the perimeter. It's not going to be where the old blades were. And let's go now to Genevieve's. Hi, Genevieve. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Very good. I had a question for you. Are there any annuals that I can plant in my yard uh, this coming spring that the deer do not like? <laughs> you know the problem is in the springtime a lot of you know the young deer they don't know what's good and what's bad they they could be munching on anything so that's you okay. know sort of the disadvantage of that but uh annual wise uh there's not really going to be too many that are going to be things that the deer don't like just kind of in general and I mean, the deer have gotten so brave anymore. I mean, they're coming up on people's decks and patios. Well, not oh, really yeah. the decks, but I mean, on the patios and things like that, and eating plants out of pots and just kind of then sitting down and relaxing. It's just been really kind of crazy. <laughs> oh so, yeah, we have some basking in our backyard all the time. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, so, are there any are there any perennials that they don't like? 
Generally, anything that has a fuzzy leaf. So, in other okay. words, like a lot of the sunflower family, you know, I mean, it's anything like that, they kind of stay away from. Now, they still may eat the flowers, but they're not going to cause, cause major damage to the, the plant in general. They're not going to consume that. But that's probably, okay. the, you know, just the overall general rule that would work the best for you. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing, we'd like uh, you know, our homes that are, uh, let's say, away from uh, – Let's say the urban circumstance or whatever it is, but then you get you know you have a situation where you have wildlife, and sometimes I mean a deer can be problematic not only from eating let's say flowers, but the male likes to mark their territory, so they use their antlers to rub on trees and say this is you know don't you come into my territory to another male, and it's just and the rabbits too also just. They don't. They're not up on the branches or anything, but they're causing damage to the to the trunks of the trees. So, I mean, those are the kind of things with the with the rabbits or the trunks on trees. If they're smaller trees, I mean, you can get some corrugated black plastic pipe and just cut it. It's flexible. Then you can open it up and then put it around the trunk of the tree, and then that protects the tree that particular trunk from the deer problem. And for as far as like rubbing against something uh, as far as with the antlers. I mean, bars of Irish spring soap hung on on branches is certainly a deterrent. And that might be something to consider too, you know, when it comes with the annuals. Irish, Irish spring soap for some reason, and there are other things, there are repellents and things like that, but just this is just kind of something that I've, you know, historically used and, uh, you know, I've had really great success with was the Irish Spring Soap. And maybe putting a bar, a bar in a plate, you know, among your annuals, that might keep the deer away because as they bend down to kind of like, oh, let's have some pansies, uh, let's say, oh, I don't like these because they smell bad or smell bad to them, but the Irish Spring Soap doesn't really smell bad just kind of in general. So just... Kind of keep that in mind that there are repell and there are you know repellents that you can get as also. Let's head now out to St. Charles and go into Danjard. Hi, Dan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry. Um, I just had a question about uh, where my dogs run in the backyard. The grass starts to wear down, especially in the winter time. Right. Is there anything we? Is there anything I can do to get that ready for spring? <laughs> I mean, the dogs are running, and that there's a soil compaction. That's what really causes the problem. So, I mean, the option is to run, you know, where they, if they run along the fence, you can put an edger on that and just put mulch in that spot. That means you obviously wouldn't have grass in those areas. But there's really not too much that you're going to be able to do that prevents the soil compaction from the dogs running back and forth in the same place over and over and over again. Okay. What about where they're playing in the backyard? Because... If you can see where they're playing, the grass looks like it's it's matted down and look more brown, right? Versus on the outside of the yard where it's you know still kind of has a greenish tinge. Yeah, I would say there's really not too much you can do because I mean again it's just a, it's a soil compaction you know as opposed to anything else. And if they're playing around there, then even though they're I mean they're they're jumping up probably up against each other and you know, rolling and everything else. And you would think that wouldn't cause that kind of, you know, major damage, but it really does. And then also then wherever 
that you know the dogs happen to urinate. The urine is has a high nitrogen content, and that's what causes the problems as far as you know killing spots where they continue to go. Or if it's a male and he raises his leg up onto a shrub or something, that's what kills off that. It's the high nitrogen content. People always thought it was the alkalinity of the urine, but it's really the nitrogen that causes the problem. I guess it's just the joys of a dog owner. Exactly. I mean, dogs are great. They're great fun and everything else, but uh, uh, not really too much you can do as far as, I mean, there's always AstroTurf. (laughs) All right, thanks. (laughs) Sure. And now let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hello? Hi. Hi, sorry. My husband was talking to me about the snow and ice that's coming, and I didn't hear you getting my call. I'm really sorry about that. That's okay. And the lady that just called about um, annuals and deer, Uh I Googled because I thought that uh, deer did not like plants like lantana, and I really don't have experience with it because we live in a subdivision that really doesn't have deer that come in here. But Mm -hmm. those type of plants, it's saying... um, Deer-resistant plants to consider include lantana, uh, fountain grass, salvia, verbena, columbine, dianthus, foxglove, gardenia, marigolds. There's a whole bunch of them here, sure. like milkweed, joe pie weed, crepe myrtle, lamb's ear. So some of the ones like with the strange leaves, like lamb's ear, has a real soft leaf, but lantana has a real um, fibrous leaf, a bunch of plants like that. So she could Google that and maybe try, you know, try some of those plants. Right. And the, I mean, the lantana basically is a real woody plant and they're generally going to stay away from those for the most part. Mm-hmm. But like the lamb's yeah. ear has that fuzziness that I was talking about. So if any kind of texture on the leaf, that really makes it uh, so they really, it's they're going to go to something else and maybe even to the neighbor's yard or whatever it happens to be. But you're right. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I have something else, too. I know a lot of probably people who are interested in plants feed the birds, too. Right. And a big thing is, you know, squirrels, you know, eating, going to the feeder. We tried that hood that goes, you know, over the feeder, and uh-huh. they even bypass that sometimes <laughs> and just hang on the feeder and eat everything up out of it. Right. But we discovered a seed at our hardware store, Handyman, and it's coated with a pepper, and we haven't had a squirrel since we bought that seed. Really? They don't even underneath the feeder to eat. It has some peanuts in it, too, which I think I saw a blue jay eating one of those. But um, they don't even come, you know, underneath the feeder anymore with that type of seed. So that's just a suggestion, too. Well, that, you know, that I'm... How much more does it actually cost to buy, you know, I mean, I don't want the exact amount. Is it a lot more expensive to get a coated seed? Yeah, it really is more expensive, but can you mix them with the other seed? I think it's 14 pounds, it's $20. Oh, so, yeah, it is a little bit more expensive, yeah, but. That's not drastic. Yeah, I mean, you probably could maybe even mix it with a different seed. I'm not sure about that, but, right. you know, mixing some with a different seed, and there might be enough of that pepper one to keep them away. But that, That's true. I mean, yeah. People get really annoyed by that, so I just wanted to <laughs> offer that out there. <laughs> yeah, the school. listeners. And thanks for the show. Listen every Saturday. It's a great, it's great fun. Well, great. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know, I used to feed the 
birds a lot. And what I did is we live in the South City, so I would just sprinkle this bird seed on the sidewalk. And so consequently, you know, the squirrels started realizing what I was doing. And so then there were squirrels there constantly. So finally, I what I do is I, I f- feed for a while and then I stop for a while. I try to break the habit of the squirrels coming around because they'd just come around and kind of sit and wait to see if I was going to throw out any more seed. It was just totally nuts and crazy. So, oh, yeah. You know, things are just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, I'll be back after these messages. So let's head over to Letty's yard and see what's going on with her. Hi, Letty. She lives in Collinsville. Hello. Hi. Mike, yes. Uh, that lady was talking about the coated bird seed. Uh-huh. All you got to do is put cayenne pepper in with your bird seed. Stir it up, and it works and keeps the squirrels away. Oh, really? Yes, and the birds like it. <laughs> so they like the spicy seed, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's on there is cayenne pepper. Right. Oh, so oh, the one that she was buying, that's a type of pepper? So I'm just curious if you're pushing, if you're just stirring it into regular bird seed, so it actually sticks to the shells of the. Well, it kind of mixes up in there, okay. and then when I put it in my feeder, it kind of falls down in there. Okay. So then when. Okay. The, yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. They're greatly and the appreciated. Pla- the, the best place to get it, the cheapest is Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. All right. Yeah. Have a good day. So uh, cayenne pepper. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so you never know. You know, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So if you have any tips yourself related to, you know, I mean, we love the birds. The birds are so fantastic, whether they're blue jays or even, you know, sparrows, maybe not all that spectacular as cardinals or as, you know, goldfinches or purple finches or all these other things. But birds are just entertaining. There's no getting around it. When, uh, you know, the birds get pretty used to coming, you know, coming to the feeders. But like I said, I was, you know, talking about the squirrels are really aggravating because they'll just sit there and wait for you to pour out some new seed, and or they'll, you know, they'll just kind of c- come by and take a look every so often, and that's what is really just aggravating about, you know, the squirrels. I wish they would just find something else to you know, to fool around with. And I know they do climb. We have some sugar maples around our house as far as street trees. And they climb up into those sugar maples, and I mean to the very ends of the branches, and they're eating those little, and uh, sugar maples have a very small helicopter that, uh, you know, let's say the, the silver maples have large ones. These are really tiny, but they'll go up there and hang upside down and just munch on these things. So I know they're desperate. They just want to survive and everything else. And of course, you're gonna—they're gonna eat where it's the easiest. And the, after they've finished all the seeds that are on the tree, then they, you know, then they're really kind of desperate. But anyway, let's head over to Melody's. Melody, <laughs> Melody's. Hey, how are you? Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hi. So last year, I had some mums and pots on my porch, uh-huh. and the squirrels would actually eat the flowers. <laughs> so somebody told me to put cayenne pepper on it. So when I put the cayenne pepper on the actual flower, um, when it rained, it got yucky looking. So then I just started sprinkling cayenne pepper around the pot on the concrete on my uh-huh. porch. And the squirrel will come up and sniff it and they leave. Really? 
<laughs> so cayenne pepper seems to be the answer. <laughs> so, well, that's kind of, and I guess after, you know, after it rained or you watered your plants, then you probably have to put more cayenne pepper out. Right, yeah. But I think after a while it kind of got the hint. But I watched it one day. It was really funny because it, like, come up on my porch like, oh, I know this place, you know. And I had the cayenne pepper on the concrete around the pot, and it was, like, sniffing it. And you could tell it was, like, getting ticked off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And finally it was like, okay, whatever, and it left. Oh, that's great. What a great story. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I mean, they, they... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I really don't have too much else to do other than, you know, look for food. And our, yeah, and you know, we have a lot of squirrels in our neighborhood. Yeah. I live in a subdivision that's just full of squirrels. Yeah, so do we. We live right across the street from a you know a city park, and it's really kind of amazing the amount of squirrels. And uh, and they're not shy. No, <laughs> <laughs> they really aren't. I mean, when I you know I'd put the grass you know the bird seed out, and then I would go back inside do some other things, and I'd see the squirrels start showing you know showing up. I mean, when I'd start coming out the door. They would eat as fast as they possibly could until I got fairly close to them before they ran away. And yeah. That, you know, I mean, then they would just go away, not all that far, and then I'd go back inside, and here they come back again. I wish there was a way to, you could kind of keep track of if it's the same ones or not, like put a chip in their ear or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I've actually had it, like, one of them like hang on my screen and look in the window. And oh, I'm you're like, kidding. Are you serious? Wow. <laughs> I know they're crazy. I know they are nuts. And you know, okay. another bad factor of them too is like you don't want them to get into your attic. So if you've got right. trees that overhang houses, they'll jump down on the roof and run around and do all kinds of who knows what's. And you know, yeah, I had them in my socket and had to pay Rottler money to come get them out and put, oh really, um, put protectors up there. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, anything I could do to keep them away from my house. So the cayenne pepper seemed like it worked. So well, I've that... got my bottle of cayenne pepper ready for this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Melody. Greatly appreciate okay, it. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, a really insightful thing. Uh, maybe if you do have, uh, you know, you want to do some pruning or something, you have some fruit trees. What you want to do is prune your fruit trees so it looks like an upside-down umbrella. So you want the branches to go out, not you know, up. It's not straight up because then you're going to have you know, disadvantages of the weight and things like that. Also, if you get, start to get some fruit setting on your, your branches of your trees, realize that too much fruit on a tree branch can cause a crack. So go ahead, let them flower. You can even let the fruit start to set. 
and then probably take about half the fruit off your fruit trees, your apples and things like that, and get rid of it because the weight of the apples as they grow can cause problems for your tree. So, you know, always keep that in mind. And uh, other things that maybe you want to consider about growing, let's say you want to have some raspberries or blackberries, but you don't like the fact that they are invasive, which they are. There's no getting around it because they do colonize spaces. What you can do is just, you know, plant them in pots, large pots, of course, and just, you know, do it that way. So, no, you're not going to have enough to sell raspberries or, or blackberries or anything like that at the store. But what you're going to have is maybe enough that you can work with it and, you know, t- just kind of experiment around with things. And it's just uh, really, you know, really kind of neat and fun to grow some things. And you don't have to sign up for the rest of your life to grow them. You can, draw, you can head to the garden centers. They're going to have the canes for the fruits the blackberries and things like that real soon. And then you can grow them and have some like greenery like uh, Brian Kelly was talking about. He's talking about fences and things like that, but even just the canes, the raspberries and blackberries can add some, you know, some nice pizzazz. So if you have any questions or concerns, we got another hour, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. See you after the news. Yes, folks, it is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, and Sue's sitting and waiting, and we'll get to her as soon as we get uh, you know, a few other comments done. And when you call, you can talk about your ideas, your questions, your concerns, and your comments. And, Brian, I see you don't have a coat on or anything. So what did you do, influence him and have him turn up the heat or something? Not yet. It's starting to get a little cool Is it? out in the newsroom. So I have my coat on standby just in case. <laughs> I went out yesterday afternoon. You know, I went to the Winter Classic. It was 10 below, and I was like, okay, that kind of got me initiated into the cold. I'm, I'm all good now. And I think that that's wearing off now. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was yesterday afternoon when I got home, I was out feeding the birds and I was just getting cold. And it's like, man, that immunity that I got from going to Minnesota and for New Year's Day is wearing off. And now it's cold again. So <laughs> I understand. I, You know, I take walks a couple times a day, usually mm-hmm. early in the morning and everything else. But I've gotten to the point in my old age that, you know, I check the computer, and if it's the temperature is in the single digits, mm-hmm. I skip the walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, the older I get, the more it just bites right through. It's just you know? uh, brutal. And yeah. I mean, and people see me and they say, why are you wearing shorts? I say, well, I'm trying to deny there's a winter. <laughs> oh, so, you're a winter denier. Yes, One of those. Exactly. An anti-winterer. Because <laughs> I got coats on and everything else. Uh-huh. But, uh you know, I figure if your face is exposed to the cold air, why not expose your legs? Yeah, uh, that, that no makes big deal. total sense. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Brian. You bet. <laughs> yes, folks, and the tip of the trial, by the way, oh, thanks for having me on your show. We are here to discuss plant selections, cares for, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, roses, perennials, Shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Abby. She is producing, so when you call, she'll ask for your first name. 
and then she'll put it up on the computer screen, and then I'll talk to you as soon as I can, you know, first come, first serve. During the week and weekends, I do spend time going to people's homes, which I call a walk and talk. It's a landscape consultation. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. My website's a little bit sad, to be honest with you. I used to be a lot more energetic and put monthly updates and everything else. But it was so much of that information was showing up in so many different places. I just, I got really lazy, I guess. And tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Some of the earliest things that are going to be flowering, you know, are starting to push up some new growth uh, foliage-wise is going to be the daffodils. And you really enjoy the daffodils and things like that. Well, why not check out the Greater St. Louis Daffodil Society? You can go to their website, http backslash stldaffodilclub.org, and that'll give you information on where and about the organization, where they meet, and everything else. So there are plant societies of all different sorts, but the daffodils. The crook has actually come up first, but uh, the daffodils, they are the real, I think they're the the true winners in the early spring bloomers. But uh, if you want to do that, also maybe you've got some kids or some grandkids that would be interested in taking a class at the Green Center. The Green Center is in the University City, and on February 11th, there's Valentine's Day Nature Craft, and the kids ages 4 to 10, can create fun homemade Valentine's Day cards with the help from their garden. So it'll be really interesting, you know, to see how that actually works. But that's, they have classes constantly. There's actually one that's going to be Friday, this upcoming Friday, Friday the 4th. And this one is uh, special treats on snowy days in the winter, even if it's not snowing. Explore the outdoors to investigate what the animals are eating for their winter treats. So the the Green Center concept is just related to the outdoors and to plant material and to nature and things like that. And like I said... February the 11th, Valentine's Day Nature Craft. So your kids get to make some Valentine's Day cards. So tip of the trial goes out to them. Let's head over to Sue's yard and take her before we take a break. Hi, Sue. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Mike? Very good. All right. How's the kids? And do you have grandkids? Uh, No. (laughs) No. Do you have children? Uh, No, I don't. Oh, that's okay. Neither do I. <laughs> but but I adopted my, um, you know, spiritually adopted my friend's children to um, to uh, kind of look out for them. Uh-huh. Um, one year, uh, I had uh, a bountiful uh, uh, garden uh, of uh, blackberries and blueberries. Ah. And um, my friend, my girlfriend, who has the seven children... Uh, she she brought them over to my backyard, and they they got the the blackberries, and she made a cake, a blackberry cake with them. Oh, you're kidding! They had the best time in my backyard. Let me tell you, they didn't want the soda pop. They wanted the blackberries. <laughs> 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 oh, we had a wonderful time. Um, anyway, uh, I was I was just wondering. Um, 
if I had, uh, I, I planted some fruit trees, or I, I had my mom plant them. I have a bad back. My mom's 83 years old. <laughs> she's in better shape than me. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she's, she's like a youngster. <laughs> <laughs> she is. God bless her. Anyway, um, she planted two apple trees for me in, in our backyard, and um, they're about maybe three years old now. Mm-hmm. I got them from Stark Brothers, and um, and I, should they be producing apples this year? Do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> it's too soon. And, Pardon? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it depends upon what type of apple it is and whether they're a dwarf, semi-dwarf, or you know the regular, let's say, normal size apple tree. But even with the, the semi, you know, the dwarf ones are going to produce fruits soonest, but still that's going to be about a five-year mark before they're going to be able to. And even if an apple is set, it really strains the tree just in general to produce fruit. So you're probably, when they're that young, the root system's not really large enough and well-established enough to support the fruit, so you're probably better off not to let... You can watch it flower if you want to, but don't let any fruit set. So you're going to have to wait for another year or two before you're going to start to get any kind of fruits whatsoever. And that's only if it's a dwarf. If it's a semi-dwarf, then you have to wait, uh, let's say, three to five years for the dwarf, five to seven years for the semi-dwarf, and the standard tree is even longer than that. Did you say three to five for which 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 size tree? That's going to be the ones that are dwarf trees. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, then I'll order a couple more of those. <laughs> I, I, I did order um, a couple of um, additional apple trees, and they they should be arriving, I think, in March sometime. Right. That's a good time to plant. I don't know if they're going to be bare root or if they're in pots, but uh, that's a good time to you know get them in the ground. They do ship. And, and flower and, and fruit tree pots. Oh, do they? Okay, great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And now you're going to have to have your mom come over and plant them. Oh, well, see, because of my health, I, uh, well, not just because that, my mom and I are here in St. Louis, and we really don't have um, other family members, but uh-huh. we have good friends like family that um, are in our church, and um and so uh, they they help us also with uh, with um, till- my friend's husband came over and he used a tiller after my mom <laughs> dug the earth for for her vegetable uh-huh. garden. Oh, that's great. So anyway, we have good friends that also help us, and my mom certainly will be able to plant any any type of tree or or shrub or anything in the backyard. Well, that's great. Well, have you know, have fun, Sue, and enjoy it. Pardon? Just have some great fun and enjoy the outdoors. Oh, we certainly do. Perfect. Yes, it's wonderful, and we we're blessed to have good friends from our church and good neighbors. Great. Well, thanks, Sue. Greatly appreciate you calling. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, so uh, give us a call if you have any questions or concerns. And Kathleen lives in Kirkwood. Kathleen, how are you today? Hello? Hello? Kathleen, are you there? I am. I guess she's there, but uh, 
I can't hear her. Oh, go ahead. Kathleen, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Yes. All right. So my question is about an amaryllis bulb that I have, and I might be late in growing or doing the appropriate things. But I was repotting it only because um, it had just grown out of the pot, and I have another little bulb uh, growing to the side of my bigger bulb, and the little bulb is about the size of two thumbs. Should I remove that and, and pot that one as a second bulb? To be honest with you, I'd just leave them alone. I'd let them just grow together. I mean, there's no reason to, you know, to fool with it at all. So there, if you, you can do that, you can take the division, but you have to worry about letting that heal not only on the bulb that you've taken off, but also the bulb you've removed it from as far as making sure that that heals over completely and it, no moisture or anything else gets in there because that could cause some rot for the bulb. So to me, I would just leave it go, and whatever happens, happens. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Sure. And with the amaryllis, it, you know, you're not going to mess with it as far as anything else goes. For, you know, people that had theirs, if, the, if it's finished flowering, you cut the flower stalk off, and then you just let the foliage grow. And the foliage will grow and probably grow for six or seven or eight or nine months, depending upon, you know, when it started, you know. So, and then what happens is six or seven or eight or nine months, you know, I'm kind of exaggerating as far as the numbers go, you would just cut the foliage off, then let the bulb sit and go totally dormant, and then it'll start producing another flower stalk. So let's head out now to St. Charles and go into Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello, Mike. It's uh, I'm in town and country, actually. Oh, but okay. Here Sorry. Or there. Yes. And no worries at all. I did live in St. Charles. Um, calling, we often hear you say, but we, we can't quite remember when the right time to cut back our knockout roses would be, and also our hydrangeas. We don't have woody hydrangeas, so we want to make sure we don't cut up anything that's coming up for next year. Right. Uh, basically, with the knockout roses, you could prune those going into wintertime, and you could prune them. No pruning. Basically, watch you know for the new foliage to start emerging, and don't do any kind of pruning after the f- new foliage starts emerging on the knockout roses. So you got basically, let's say from Thanksgiving till oh, let's say mid March or so. And usually, you're not going to see any new foliage growth on the uh, the roses prior to mid March, and that might even be a little early. But you know, it, it depends upon each year because the, each year is going to be somewhat different. And as, sure, that makes sense. And as far as the, uh, if you have the non-woody type hydrangeas, you, you really don't have to do anything to them at all. If you cut the foliage off, you know, the stems and everything going into, you know, into wintertime after they've had finished, then that's fine. You don't have to even do that. You can just kind of leave them alone. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. We always appreciate your insight for our uh, our garden and our inside garden. Thank you very much. Well, great. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Last hour, we had a, a kind of an extensive conversation related to uh, to deer and deer damage and things like that. Here's some other things. I went through some a folder that I have with just, you know, notes that I kind of keep around. Here's an ex- 
different ways to repel the deer. Inexpensive repellents include suspending open weave bags of human hair. So if you happen to know a barber and you can go and sweep up all the hair or a beauty shop, a beautician or whatever, and hang the hair. Also, as I, no- as I noted, too, was, you know, the strongly scented uh, soap hanging from the branches. And, you know, with the hair and the soap both, uh, re- replacement every so often is always advisable. Now, one thing that uh, seems a little icky to me is uh, a solution of egg and water, 20% egg solution and water, and you spray that onto the plants. Now, that's, uh, that's ooh, I don't know about that one. But uh, anyway, other things that can be used, commercial products include Deer Away, Hinder, Ropel, and they can be purchased pretty much at any kind of garden center. So that works, you know, pretty well. And those kind of repellents, yes, they do work very well, but they need to be reapplied to the plant material, whatever you're using them on, uh, especially after any kind of heavy rainfall or something like that because it dilutes it to the point where the deer are not going to be, you know, repelled by it. So other things that you need to be thinking about just kind of in general is uh, – your watch, you know, watch your ground covers. There's a house down the street from us, and uh, what I always recommend is they have the evergreen ivy ground cover, either English or Bulgarian or Baltic or something like that. And because we live across the street from the park, a lot of the leaves blow from the park that have fallen from the trees in the park into people's yard, and they, you know, their their ground cover was pretty much buried in the amount of leaves that was there, and what they did is they went out and they used a rake and they raked their ivy. And it really, I mean, it really did some, it's, I don't recommend doing that. But what I do recommend is if you do have a ground cover, and now I know their front, where this is, is kind of on a slope, so it's a little bit difficult. But rather than raking, setting your mower at a high setting and cutting up the, the leaves that way as opposed to raking it because the raking, you know, tears a lot of pro, tears a lot of the leaves up, tears a lot of the stems up. Where the mower will not do that, so that would be what I'd recommend if you do have a situation where you've got uh, a ground cover, you know, with a lot of fallen leaf debris sitting there. So you always keep that in mind, and also just take a look in your yard. I know it's cold, but as Brian was saying, it's going to be there's going to be some warm days coming up again. Get out there and look for those those cool season weeds. See, you know, in your lawn or on your bed spaces or anything else. Henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrasses are among some, some of those. And if you do have those, there's not really too much you can do other than like, you know, you could use an herbicide on them now or you could dig them up now. But just keep in mind that coming up in August, maybe think about using a pre-emergent in your landscape if you're not putting any kind of seed out, either lawn seed or perennial seed or anything like that. And that way you can get these things under control, you know, much better. And then there is a warm season weed. They're not emerging yet, but when the forsythia is in bloom or when the soil temperature is above 50 for several days in a row, then the warm season annual weeds are going to start germinating. So that's when you want to make sure that to get those under control, that you would put a pre-emergent down when the soil temperature is at 50 or the forsythia is in bloom. So the warm season annual weeds include spurges, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, 
And then, of course, the crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, as well as some other things, too. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks, uh, the one lady who called from Kirkwood, I forgot to mention that uh, after I you know, talked to her about the questions and concerns and comments she had, Kirkwood is where if you get a so- if you want to have a soil test done by the University of Missouri Extension Service, that's where you take the soil sample too. It's near the train station. It's on Monroe. It's an office specifically for taking your soil samples. So that's an easy drop-off point. So remember that. I keep pushing on these soil tests because they are extremely important. Let's head over to Eric's yard now. Hi, Eric. Eric, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, great. How are you doing this morning? Very good. I was checking to see. I've got a tomato garden, put about 50 plants in, and I burn a lot of firewood in the fireplace in the wintertime. Am I okay to put the ashes in the garden, and will that benefit it at all, or am well, I you, doing the adverse effect? Yeah, basically, ash is potash. Pot ash is what it's, and that's one of the things that might, if you get an extravagant level, it could be detrimental. So I would get a soil test done before you do too much of that, because you could be actually creating more of a problem than you're doing good. And you must have quite the, I mean, quite the amount of tomatoes. If you have 50 plants, that's, I mean, that's great. Yeah, no, they do well. And I haven't had a problem so far, but I just didn't know if I was, the last couple of years have been a little off. Um, but the weather's been off as well, so right. I wasn't sure if I was helping or hurting. Yeah, I would say and, back and, off from it until you get a soil test done because, you know, phosphorus and potassium, those are the two things, those last two numbers in a bag of fertilizer that can be detrimental to the plant material regardless of what it is. So if you've got extravagant levels because you've been putting the the fireplace ash or whatever onto the you know onto the garden space, then back off of doing that and also watch out for the fertilizer that you're putting down to make sure those last two numbers are going to be you know, lower than what you have historically have used. I don't know if you use a normal tomato food or what you're using to fertilize. Normally just put 12, 12, 12 down, and yeah. then I use black cow and put about 25 bags of that down. Okay. Uh, and Because it's not just tomatoes. It's a whole garden. Okay. But that's, you know, at least 50 to 75 plants. Um and another thing, too, do you have a recommendation for an at-home soil sample test um, that you'd recommend aside from just simply going to have it tested at St. Louis Compost? Or Well, St. Louis Composting, don't, you know, don't do the soil testing. I'd get it done by the University of Missouri. And a soil test, you know, at home, you can try those, but they're really not as good as what they, you know, what uh, professional service. It's only $25 to have the University of Missouri do it. And you're getting exactly not, I mean, you're getting really good information from that home soil testing. I'd be a little bit uh, weary of what it's going to tell you. Fairly generic. Yeah. I gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, great. Uh, I appreciate the input, and uh, I appreciate the show, too. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. If you weren't there, I certainly wouldn't be here, so I, I really appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great day. Yep. You do the same thing. And uh, other things, you know, it's still early. The ground is still really cold. But, uh, you know, mole activity hasn't really started yet. But as soon as the ground starts warming up, and it's going to start warming up soon, 
then the earthworms are going to start moving through the soil. As soon as the earthworms start moving, the moles become conscious of that because that's what they hear, the earthworms moving. That's what they tunnel towards. That's the main diet for moles is earthworms. Yes, they eat grubs. They eat a few other things. But controlling grubs is not going to make it moles go away if you have earthworms because they're going towards that sound of the earthworms. So that's where the tunnels are headed. So if you have a nice yard, you're probably going to have more earthworms in your soils or in your garden space or whatever. And then consequently, the chances of having moles is going to be enhanced. What you're going to see first, more than likely, besides you know maybe some tunnels, you're going to just suddenly see some piles of dirt that just, I mean, you, you can't figure out where they're coming from. Moles have two different series of tunnels. The surface tunnel is the one where the earthworms are, and that's the ones that they tunnel for to actually find earthworms to eat. But also what they do is they have another tunnel below that, about a foot deeper, that they use to go back to their sleeping den and everything else. So know that if you start to see piles of dirt, usually a couple piles in really pretty close proximity, it's because the tunnel that's deeper, they're pushing that soil up onto the surface because they can't raise that amount like they do on the soil surface. So that's what those piles indicate. That indicates that you do have a grub problem. So now let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I, I missed some of um, what you were just saying while I was uh, talking to the young lady. Did, was he talking about large piles of, of dirt coming up from yeah. moles? Yeah. No, I, you mean as, what, as far as what I was talking about? Yes. Yeah, not large, but, uh, you know, six or eight inches high, four to six inches, you know, of just like dirt that just, you know, all of a sudden shows up from nowhere. Yeah, I have some of that. That was one of my questions, actually. Um, I have a couple others, but you're saying that that is an indication of a grub issue? No, no, that's an indication that you have moles. Moles are doing that piling of the dirt. I, I these I know I have moles and usually tunnels, but these piles that, that just show up. I mean, I I was wondering if it wasn't a different type of animal, but uh, no, it's the okay. mole has a, that secondary tunnel which they use after the, let's say after they tunnel along, they've you know come and eaten some earthworms, they've eaten some grubs, they've eaten some other insects. Then the, they have a tunnel that's deeper that they that can go back quickly to where they sleep. So they actually have a you know a den more or less underground, and that's kind of the highway to take them back to their den so they can sleep. Or that's where the females have the babies and all that other stuff. So if we go if I go deeper uh, underneath where these piles are, I may find the more active uh, run. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the main reason I had called is I have some crepe myrtles that uh, we've had for a number of years. They're not exactly thriving, but they are surviving, and I wasn't ever sure they would here. Um, they're on a sort of a hillside in a mulch bed, so it's you know they drain well. Mm-hmm. But they're now getting to the point where they're you know there's about four of them that are about seven or eight feet tall. And I'm just wondering about pruning or cutting them back. Um, so far, I've just let them go. You right. know, and they're growing tall and skinny. So I don't know if I should prune them or not. 
I uh, like you your can, advice. Yeah, you can prune. There's nothing wrong with that. Since they're, they're, you know, summer bloomers, just like butterfly bushes and other shrubs as well. Any kind of summer bloomer, you can prune in the early spring before the new growth begins. So I probably wouldn't necessarily cut them all the way down to the ground, but you could cut them, you know, let's say you have each shrub has five stems coming up out of it. And probably what I would do is one year I'd cut, let's say, three of those five down to about uh, three to four feet or two to three feet. Leave the other ones there and just kind of see you know, see what the, the pruning as far as activity, flower activity, how that's actually changed it. Now, if they're in the shade, you know, they're not going to do quite as well as if they're in the full sun. Yeah, they aren't full sun for sure. Okay. Definitely not. But, I mean, they, they do flower. They're very nice, but they're, I mean, they're... They're thin. They're, right. not, they're not like a big, bushy crepe myrtle. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, probably the location and everything else may be part, you know, part of the circumstance. Yeah. So try the pruning over a two-year period and see if it makes them a little bit thicker. If not, what you might have to end up doing is buying some additional crepe myrtles and just plant them in close proximity to try to get a fuller look to them. Okay, thanks. And we're, when you prune them, I guess you prune it just above where a couple of branches are coming out of the main trunk or stem. and Yeah, you can either do that or you can cut it you know, d- further down where there's actually no branches. So just to try to, re- to get some, let's say, branching lower down on the, the stem that you're remaining. So that's why I said you, if they're seven feet high, you can cut a couple of them back down to like three feet or so and just see if that you know, new growth will emerge and then you know, you'll have a thicker shrub as a result of that. Okay, but before they flower is okay. Yeah, I mean, just before the new growth begins. So that's any time between now and before you start to see some leaves emerging. So you've got between now and, let's say, probably, oh, end of April or something, probably. Okay. And it's going to be weather dependent as far as when the new growth begins. All right, but I could do it now, and it wouldn't wouldn't be a bad thing. No, not, not at all. It won't okay. impact the flowering whatsoever. Very good. Very good. Thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, anything that blooms in the summertime blooms on new wood. So anything that blooms on in the springtime, they bloom on old wood. So forsythia, the flower buds for forsythia or any spring flowering shrub has already been set. So that means that wood is already there. Anything that blooms in the summertime, that's going to be on new growth that emerges that particular summer. So that's what really happens with that. So just understand that that's the case. And that's why you want to prune before the new growth begins. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Folks, let's get back to the phones and head over to Mary's yard. Mary, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Okay. I like the show. I listen every Saturday morning. It's a great show. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's your show, as you know. Yeah. Well, um, I have a crepe myrtle question. I was happy someone else called in with one. Usually you have more than one. I planted three crepe myrtles in the fall of 2019. And every fall I would kind of put, I didn't put mulch on them. I put um, like a good garden soil around there it's something that's bagged it's called just natural and this year i got busy with other things and i didn't do it 
But um, I have a big oak tree in my front yard, and all the leaves always come to the backyard. So I just kind of mounded up some leaves around the crepe myrtles. And I was just wondering, you know, they should be pretty well established. They looked pretty good last summer. Um, do you think they'll make it without the mulch? Oh, yeah, I think they should be fine. They really don't need the mulch necessarily, not on a yearly basis. Every couple Uh years, I mean, a couple inches of mulch, and that's more of an aesthetic thing for you as opposed to actually helping the crape myrtle. But if they're established enough for this period of time, uh, they're pretty tough and durable. I mean, people always think because we associate them with the South, but they are, you know, they're any further north than what we are. I don't even know if they could go grow really well in Hannibal. Maybe they can, but that's uh-huh. you know, kind of what the situation is. Right, right. And we're warming up, too, it seems like. You know, I mean, right. well, December was certainly a warmer month than they thought it would be. Right. And um, these are kind of, they're not the real tall ones. They're shorter. I think a lot of people just put these in pots. So, oh, and one more. I have a pot question real quick. Sure. I have a um, Alberta spruce in a pot. This is the second winter it's been in a pot. It seems to be doing really good. You said don't overwater it, so I don't water it a whole lot. Right. Um, would I have to plant it next fall, or you think it could go into a bigger pot? Or I kind of like having it in the pot. Right. Well, I have three in a pot, three different pots, three different Alberta spruce. Now, how big is the pot that they're actually it's growing in? Is it like twelve inches probably apart? About a twelve inch. Yeah, twelve inch pot, I'd say. I'd probably you could probably leave it in that pot for another couple years, and actually, oh, okay. by you know leaving it in the uh, smaller pot, it helps like bonsai them. So, in other words, it keeps them. They're never going really going to get huge, but it kind of controls the amount of growth that they're going to have. But uh, no, right. I think you're fine that way, and. If you put it into a new pot, just make sure it's a really well-drained potting mix. Maybe mix some gravel in with it because Alberta spruce are from an air, a kind of a rocky area, rocky mountainous right. area. So consequently, you're going to try to you know, duplicate that. But the pot shouldn't really be any bigger than two inches larger than the existing pot. Okay, and some potting mix maybe with some gravel mixed in. Exactly. For good drainage. And it's the only other thing, it looks like it's got some dry needles in the center of the plant. Right. But, I mean, it's standing. It's got lots of room for air circulation and everything around the plant. Right. So I guess the sunlight just doesn't get to those um, needles. And I thought about trimming up, trimming up some of the dead branches on the spruce. Yeah, you could prune them up. But, yeah, any kind of conifer that's tightly pruned or tightly growing – you're all, the inside is always going to turn brown. There's no getting around it, okay. and that's simply because there's no sunlight getting into there. Okay. Okay. So just I could just leave it alone, or right. I could trim it if I want. Yeah. And would this be a good time of year to do that? Yeah, if you wanted to do the pruning any time before the new growth, you know, that's exa- the best time to do it for sure. And probably okay. better so coming out of winter rather than going into winter because we don't know how severe the winter is going to be. So this would be a good right. time to do it. Okay. And one more thing. I know everybody complains about animals in their plants, and I can I definitely have a lot of squirrels around here. I have a huge oak tree out front. And I, one thing I have found that works for me is regular old clove powder. Ah. I just sprinkle it on the top of the soil, like the Alberta spruce, for example, that they like to dig in, uh-huh. and I leave it. And sometimes I sprinkle some if it's in a pot, you know, on the lip of the pot, 
I've got two ponds. Everything likes to get into the ponds, and sure. some of my rocks, most of them aren't really stable, so I've been sprinkled. I mean, it works. It works really good for me. And then when you water your plants, I was like, well, I wonder if that'll bother the plant. But I've watered the plant. You know, it's gotten rain and everything, right. and it doesn't seem to hurt the plant. You do have to reapply it, but plain old cooking clove powder. Oh, you're kidding. Great. Well, thanks, Mary. Yeah, you're welcome, and have a good day, and thanks for the show. Sure. And Karen, how are you today? Thank you very much. I hope you are, too. Uh, I have an ivy question. In my front yard, I have two areas, ivy going up a path and then ivy along the sidewalk. And it's been there for quite some time, and it always did well. About two years ago, it started to not do so well. And so I started replacing, plus it was being invaded by uh, weeds more Mm. than ever. My question is, in the area of the ivy by the sidewalk, there last year it was, uh, there were many uh, weeds, I guess I will call them weeds, that look like violets, and they're real easy to pull out, but they're just a a pain to do that. So when I went out there before, uh, there's only ivy there. So my question is, is there something that I could apply pretty soon on the dirt that would prevent this invasive uh, other other growth from uh, being in you know invading the ivy. Yeah, if this is an annual weed, an annual warm season weed, and if it is violets, when the forsythias in bloom, that's when you would put a pre-emergent down in your ivy. That won't impact the ivy growth whatsoever. All it does is kill anything that had laid seeds down from last year, those seeds just lay there. And then consequently, when the seeds start germinating, the pre-emergent kills them. Okay. All right. And um, I can't, is preen a pre-emergent? Preen is a pre-emergent, yes. Okay, because I tend to use that a a lot. um, And I didn't know if I could sprinkle that. It's and wait till the forsythia is blooming. Right, exactly. Or get a soil thermometer, and just when the soil temperatures get, uh, because it's next to the sidewalk, the soil may warm up a little bit quicker. When the soil is above 50 degrees, three or four or five days in a row, that's when the pre-emergent slash preen should go down. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks to Karen, and thanks to everybody for calling in today. I greatly appreciate it. It's nice to see the sun out and uh, just go out and enjoy the sun and uh, the cold temperatures. Oh, well, who cares? Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 